0: Alright, let's go to the book of James. Book of James. I'm going to start a, uh, somewhat of a series. It will not be a long series, but book of James. I was looking and decided doing some studying actually across several different subjects um, this week and, and looking and thinking, and, and I believe the Lord settled my heart on looking at James. And there's a couple reasons for it. There's some things going on in James that can be helpful. And uh, so here's uh, by way of introduction today. We are going to go through some of it and uh, look at some of the Scripture um, and uh, next week may be a little bit of the same, but but I, I, w- I want to consider today more of an introduction. But there's so much information and truth in James that uh, we, we want to go through it carefully. Um, a couple things. James is a book that a lot of people take out of context and they end up getting work salvation out of it or putting it in a whole different category of something else that doesn't fit or... Or things so, so we do need to get some of those things out of the way and know what James is talking about and, and, and know how to make it apply correctly. When you get scripture, doesn't matter what part of the Bible you're looking at, context is the key. And a couple things to look at is what is the timeline in the Bible? In other words, how is God talking or communicating with man? Um, just remember somebody God used God spoke verbally early on God used prophets um, God used preachers so so what timeline where, where does it fit in God's timeline of how he communicates with man after we had the Bible completed we have the Holy Spirit when we're saved we have the word of God um, so there's some differences in how God communicates through history the other part of that is who is doing the talking and who are they talking to and those, those issues can come into play and figure out, okay, what is going on in this passage? A lot of people get confused with things with uh, the, the church. One example is uh, there's an idea out there called replacement theology. It has a lot of Catholic origins to it. It is wrong. It's not biblical. That replacement theology teaches that um, God just it was done with Israel at one point. God put them away. Um, they didn't all have it. God opened up the gospel to the rest of the world. So everyone else and all the promises, We the church now replaces Israel. Uh, that's that's not true. One is there's no Bible evidence to give that there's also Bible evidence that says the opposite is true. Paul said there's no difference when you're saved. Um, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek or it doesn't matter you get saved the same way. our salvation is in Christ that's it. Also many of the promises when someone tries to say the church, Replaces Israel. There's been some goofy things come up in doctrine trying to trying to rationalize that because many of God's promises to Israel as a nation have to do with land and and location, those kinds of things. Also, that God never promised to a church. So, so there's some things there. I'm just saying that's an example of reading Scripture properly, right time frame, right uh, who is doing the talking, who is being talked to. So there's a couple of things we'll get out of the way in that idea to understand James. And this is why people get work salvation out of it is because they are looking at the wrong group of people in the wrong time, and they end up with work salvation. That's not what's going on here. So first of all, James 1, and verse 1, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Um, so we have two, we know James James is the author, and uh, but he says the 12 tribes. So this is a book to the Jews, to, to the Hebrews. Now, the time frame is important. We believe this was written, of course, after time, after Christ resurrected. And uh, so it, within God's communication with man and the gospel setting and Christ on the cross, this, this is after, was written after the resurrection. So that's a clue on the time. The, the other clue is, um, he said, with scattered abroad, we can go back to Acts. Remember when there was persecution in the church? They scattered out of Jerusalem and went preaching everywhere. Uh, so that's it. We also have... That he calls them brethren. Now that's twofold. James is a brother and they're Jewish, but also a church. That church. That term is used throughout all of Paul's writings, written to the Gentiles because they're saved. He calls them brethren. So, so there's there there's a clue there in who's written to, and since uh, we're not spending time on this, so I am not. Uh, um, I, I don't have this verse written in my notes. Let me see if I can scan real quick. Um, if I don't find it, it's not a, a, a big deal, but um, I just thought of it. I was reading study and studying. It's just not part of my notes today. look, um, uh, okay, I'm not looking. I can't remember if it's chapter 4 or chapter 5. There's some references where he refers to them as a church. And uh, so... That's uh, just by clue we can go and go to read in chapter four and five talks about how they treat people and coming in and it doesn't matter if they're rich and dressed night, it doesn't matter if they're poor, it doesn't matter. Uh, part of it is our testimony and treating people and, and, but it specifically says coming into the church and into the congregation. So, so anyway, we know if you read the rest of James, we have those clues. He also refers several times to we and us and as an author, puts himself in the same category. Um, So they're saying, yes, this book was written to Jews, but it is written to saved Jews in a church, and uh, the, this letter was meant to spread around. So he said, uh, the 12 tribes w- which are scattered. So I don't know if he wrote multiple copies or if he sent a messenger to share. Um, there's not a lot of historical uh, background on trying to, but he had written, wrote this, intended to, to, for this letter to move and reach a lot of people. But we know it is referring to those already saved because of the context of how the book's written. So we have to understand that to understand where some of the Scripture is going. When it talks about, well, a lot of people, I've had people try to argue with me and go here when we're talking about salvation. Salvation's free. We believe God. We're saved. And uh, there's well, what about this? And they want to go to James. And James is one of their books that they try to argue. So let's look, try to look at James, and we'll get an understanding, one of that proper view of James. And if we get the proper view of James, we can take James and put it to ourselves and figure out how does James help us? How, how is James going to help us live better for God? Judas, sit up. And uh, so, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the tri- twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Man, he just got right into it. You can tell this isn't Paul writing. Paul usually gives a little bit nicer, longer introduction. Not always, but but most of the time. Um, so, uh, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, an explanation is coming. Um, so we understand when we're tempted, um people get caught up with the world, all well, this craziness in the world, tempt and temptations could apply to anything. There are some examples here in James. Uh, but when we look at in temptation, that's usually Satan or some world or something in the world trying to distract us from how we live for God and and to please God. But here it said account count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations um so so here here's how to look in other words, indirectly, James is going to start dealing with our mind process, how we think uh, how how do we take action on that how do we how do we apply this why joy that we're falling into temptation wait wait a minute that that doesn't sound right that that doesn't sound like. Um, the, the, the victory we're supposed to have in Christ. That doesn't sound like the, the God blessing us all the time. That doesn't sound like, um, especially the, the ones that go extreme and the prosperity stuff where, you know, name it and claim it and all that. And, and we know that's wrong on other fronts, but James helped prove that. But, but it says here, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now notice one thing here to clear up. And the rest of the book clarifies. It does not say um, count it joy if you fall into sin. It does not say count it for joy if you give in to those temptations. It, it doesn't say what it says here. It says fall into diverse temptations. A temptation is not sin. A temptation comes, and there is a clarification we'll get to in a moment. But temptations come when it's just something to tempt you, something trying to get your attention off of God. It's it's not um, it, 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 that is not sin in of itself. The sin is what action you do or don't do, or giving in to a temptation or 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 sin. And and it, and it explained that comes up later, and and it will get help with that. But but understand the temptation itself. Is not the sin. So count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Um, in the coming weeks, if we do this series, I might elaborate on that. I just didn't feel led today, but I want to mention this. We've diverged. We have temptations. It says here, knowing the trying of your faith worketh patience. What that's saying here, because it does give later on, we see we're going to see an explanation. God does not tempt people with evil. God is not trying to trick you up to give a test. Any test God ever did in the Bible was a clear test. To an individual for a purpose, and they knew exactly what was happening. They might not have known all the future where God was seeing you know, whether they pass or fail the test, kind of thing, but, but they knew God gave, for example, when God told Abraham to take Isaac up on the mountain and give sacrifice, a couple of things going on. First of all, I believe Abraham had enough faith. It's not written, and it's not real clear. I wouldn't argue with anybody about this. But I believe Abraham had enough faith that by the time he got to the mountain, that Isaac wasn't going to die. Um, I, I believe that. I, I'm, I wouldn't argue with it. I don't have that kind of proof. I, I don't have. But, but remember after, when they were coming up and they're going up to the mountain, um, that, that Abraham told Isaac that God will provide himself a lamb. And, and and so I believe he had some faith there and a trust in God and 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 I, I believe in in the element of the test Abraham really didn't know what was going to happen, but I do believe he had enough trust in God somewhere along the way that hey Isaac isn't going to die or maybe. God's gonna bring him back to life, or maybe you know something that Isaac was was gonna live. I I don't know what he was thinking, but I I believe there was some element of that. But what I mean by the test, and when God gives a test, or or God tries somebody. Uh, God puts it on your heart, that, hey, there's something going on. You may not know the outcome or the reason right away, but God is speaking to a person directly and giving you something that, that you can make a decision on. Uh, um, God, all the way through the Bible, we see the idea of our mind, our heart, our free will, our decision-making, and, and obedience to God. And somewhere in that test, if God is doing a test, and it's somewhere in our faith, there's a clear decision to be made. And, and we can go one way or the other, but if God's in it. But God will never tempt us with evil. God will never make part of that decision to do wrong or, or do, a, do a, um, something that would be evil or an outright sin or, or, or whatever. So in other words, we count our temptation, we count all joy when you fall into temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. In other words, our trust in God, we can build patience and and, and get our patience, but let patience, look at this verse, have her perfect work. In other words, we're not just going, hey, if you get patience, you know, you you try your faith, uh, you do good, you're going to get patience. No, there's a bigger deal here on patience. It says, let, let, in other words, allow patience to work. let patience be part of your life and let her have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing and in other words, the contentment and 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 being at a place with God where we're not worried about everything else going on in the world all the time and patience is part of our process uh, of thinking and our relationship with God to say, hey, I, I, don't, I don't need what I think or what appears better out there or or, or, or what. In other words, we get to the place that, that we're complete in Christ and I don't need anything more to be content with my relationship with God and what God has given me and how God's working in my life. Um, so now it goes on to wisdom. Verse five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Notice that the action here for this purpose, that we're not preaching on prayer. You go throughout Scripture, you find lots of things about prayer and are asking God and what God does. There's that. This context, this passage, this chapter, this immediate thing, it is specifically about wisdom. Um, and, and, and I believe I get it. You can leave this a little bit of my opinion if you want uh, that that within the context of this verse in this chapter, he, he's saying specifically about asking for wisdom. Now, remember, Solomon, you get wisdom, you can get other things. You get wisdom, you get help in a lot of areas. Proverbs deals with Wisdom. Um, we, 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 taught on wisdom a while back where, where, where if you ask God for wisdom, but notice this doesn't say you just ask for God for anything you want and he'll give it to you. That's not what it says, but it says, if you ask wisdom, uh, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, uh, part of that wisdom and understanding of Proverbs is you need to know enough to know you lack the wisdom and ask God for wisdom. And, uh, and get that, so, um, for he that waver, um, let him ask in faith. He's talking about God giving wisdom, let him ask in faith. And in other words, trust God that God said he'll give you wisdom. Ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with wind, the wind and tossed. So is that attitude that we come in and say, look, look, we're, we're, well, I'm not sure if God's really going to do it. Do I really have faith in God? Do I have this? And is God really going to give me wisdom or no asking faith? Nothing wavering. God said he'd do it. I'm praying God, give me wisdom. Um, cause you said you would. I, I, I want that wisdom. It's, it's that kind of faith. Say nothing wavering. Now notice verse seven. For let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Wait a minute, that almost sounds like a contradiction. And one of the things people have with with James, the book of James, I I hope I'm going to be able to clarify as we go through it. Um, it, there's, There's several things said through James, and that's why people try to put it in a different category and say, oh, it's work salvation, it's this, it's that. It's because if, if you're not careful with James, it almost appears like there's some contradictions. And when you look at those things throughout Scripture, one thing, when you come across something in the Bible, no matter where it is in the Bible, no matter what the subject is, and it appears to be a contradiction, study that thing out in Scripture and see what the entire Bible, what the theme is on that subject. So since we know by, by that study, we know there's no contradictions, what does this say? I believe, based on other scripture and taking the thought process through the Bible, we just saw that verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberty, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So we have a, a, a very specific thing. You ask God for this, it, it shall be given you. I'm um, what I'm asking. Faith, nothing, nothing wavering. And then it says, "For let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord." In other words, there's a couple of things going on. So we already saw in this chapter about temptation, learning patience, and if you lack wisdom, ask of God. So there's a couple of things going on that have to do with my thinking process. I I, I need to understand that a temptation, it, by itself. Not not giving in to sin, not anything else, or just the fact that there's temptations and I'm in temptations and get tempted by things or distract, whether it's myself, whether it's Satan, whether it's general public, whether it's peer pressure, whether it doesn't matter. It, there are temptations. And it says diverse. There's a lot of them. There's things going on. Had means I have to have an idea of control of my mind and and, and, and my thoughts. And, and and that can work patience. And I need to let patience have her perfect work. So another thing in my thought process and my own way of thinking and living and how I live for God. And then it says, if I lack faith or I'm sorry, if I lack wisdom, I need to ask for God. So I need to have enough sense to realize I need some wisdom in some areas that I need to go to God with and, and, and get that wisdom and ask God. And then it says, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So if, wait a minute, that's not, well, it doesn't say a contradiction. It doesn't say that there's a place God might not. It doesn't say that that there's a not. What, the, what I believe this means, based on other scripture and things, you go through the Bible, study the fear of the Lord, study humility, study um, our, our place before God. What, it, what it's getting at here, it says, i shouldn 't just assume I also believe this is an attack where people take out of continent this modern pro- uh, prosperity name it, claim it stuff I, I need I should feel good i need, I actually heard I listened to um, a while back this preacher that that 's with that crowd that i didn 't realize. Um, somebody offered some help on something. I had a, I actually had a conversation with this man on the phone. that I found on the internet. I found a, a sermon he preached, and I want to see him. the whole thing. He's talking about like God wants you to have nice, like, you have a nice car and have the fanciest phone and have all this stuff, and somehow that's how God wants us to give the gospel. Because I have nice things, someone's going to get saved. Like. Man, that that is complete opposite <laughs> of what the Bible says. Um, and, and not that nice things are bad. It's just that's not part of the gospel. Uh, that's not how salvation works. That's not how I'm going to get people's attention. Um, that that's that's not part of that. And, and and I think that's what this is talking about. Where hey, let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. In other words, it, it's it's not my I don't go to God to just get things. I don't go to God to get it. This specifically said, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. It specifically mentioned wisdom. And it says, for let not man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. It said, wait a minute, I need to know my place with God. I need to go with God in humility and understand between me and God, I don't deserve anything. I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. The only reason I can even talk to God is because I accepted his free gift of his son on the cross and my sins are covered with Jesus' blood. And, and, and I can go to God based on the fact that I'm his adopted child and he allows me access as part of the family now. And God said he, he would, he, he would, he would forgive my sins and, and give my blood to him. But all blessings throughout the Bible have conditions of, of this obedience. Notice here, it says several times, we already saw, let him ask in faith, and, and, and how our faith is brought up over and over through James. Remember, the context of faith through most of the Bible ha- is attached directly to obedience. Um, the one example, remember in Hebrews, we're talking about all the people by faith, by Noah by faith, Abraham by faith, and, and on and on and on, all these people. But when you see in Old Testament, all it says in the Old Testament, God told them to do something, and it says they obeyed God. But looking backwards on it, now we look and see oh, they had faith. Um, so faith is always tied to an element of de- obedience. So let let not man that has to do verse seven is our humility with God that that way we, we, we don't just assume that or, or a phrase that's always puzzled me my whole life and I'm not saying preacher wrong they do what they taught you do what you heard to a degree and and, and, and it's not all bad it just it's always puzzled me a little bit when when someone talks about um, God answering our prayer we pray to God and 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 we got what we asked for. I'm not saying big. It could be a matter of uh, someone we know getting saved. It could be. I, I'm not saying they may be good, legitimate need, and we we should uh, praise God when those things come and God gives us an answer of yes and tells us yes and God grants that thing we were praying for and 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 meets that need. And those are wonderful things. And God certainly does that and uh, that. But 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 it's almost like. Um, you know, I've been praying and praying and God hasn't answered yet. It's just the way people portray it. They don't mean it that way. I, I understand. Um, but, but sometimes, hey, we've been praying for this thing a long, long time and God just hasn't answered us yet. And what we mean by that is God hasn't answered us the way we want him to answer yet. Or, or, or we praise God for what we call an answered prayer. That means, you know, usually just means God gave us what we asked for. And, and God does that, and that's part of it. And I, I know people don't mean to be um, wrong about that. It's just that, that statement, I believe that's part of what this is, 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 is we're, we didn't assume that when I come to God that I deserve, just because I ask God for whatever it is, that I get it. But this passage is specific about wisdom. So with that, if I come to God with humility, it says here, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So again, what do we see here is the flow. We see here, um, we see that we do have temptations, which count it joy that we can get through temptations. We have temptation. That's joy because those work patience. And we need to decide on purpose to let patience have her way. If somewhere in this process of being tempted, and and not finding our joy even in temptations, and letting patience have its work in our life, and somewhere we realize that I'm lacking wisdom to decide in these areas. I need to go to God and ask for wisdom. Notice it did not say to pray to God to say, God, just take these temptations away. Uh, uh, God, I'm having trouble with the, the patience. I need I, I, I just make, make just make that all easy. And no, it just said to pray for wisdom. In other words, God still wants us to be able to make the decisions. God said we should ask for wisdom. But when we're trying to figure out, verse 6, that nothing wa- that faith, nothing waver, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. In other words, we're bouncing around that we need to come to God humbly. Verse 7, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In other words, we're trying to pull. Hey, what I want, what I want in the world. Maybe I'm giving in to the temptations instead of letting patience work, or, 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 or I just I need wisdom, and I'm just not asking God for wisdom, or, or, or in other words, that's where we get confused in our mind. Where Philippians four uh, seven says, "In the peace of God that will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus." So it says that double-minded man means where's my mind at? Where's my my thought process at in these things in life? And then uh, so, so it goes on. So that's it. By introduction, the first few verses of James gives us a direction. One is where to go just to outline in our Christian life in general. But also this helps us to know the direction of the book of James. So, so when we dig into James, we, need, we know a couple of things now. We know, yes, it is written to Jews, but it's written to Jewish churches. It, it is written to churches. We, we, we saw that and proved it. Now he's given a, here's how your thought process has to be. You, you want to serve God? You want to get along in life? You want to function in the world? Here's some thoughts. Here's some, some things to look at. That's the context to lay out to set up what is going on in James. This given again, notice it mentions the humility, not uh, verse 7, we have verse 8, double-minded. Now verse 9 and 10, let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted. Now to say that sounds good. Man, I'm a low degree, I'm not important in the world, maybe poor, maybe whatever, and, and God is exalted. Now notice it's not elaborating on what that means by being exalted. I believe in context of this passage, I'm going to leave it at this, um, maybe a little bit of my opinion, but in context of what happened in James, I believe this is a matter of salvation. I'm exalted before God. I can go to God. In other words, it doesn't matter that I'm poor, rich, important, whatever. I'm saved just like everyone else because it also goes on in verse 10, but the rich and that he is made low because as a flower of the grass, he shall pass away. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're poor, it doesn't matter if you're rich, when you come to God and we're here together at church learning about God or we pray to God on our own and God looks us at a child, none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what's being said here. Um, so the sun is no, more, um, no sooner risen uh, with a burning heat, but it withers the grass and the flower therefore falleth in grace, of the fashion of parishes, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And uh, so there's a crown, there's a reward having to do what we saw in the first part of the ta- chapter of, of the joy in temptation. If we can endure temptation and live, there is a crown of life. Let no man say when he is tempted. Verse thirteen: I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So God's eye: if it's an evil thing, it's not God. That's the first part. If you're being tempted to do something really crazy, bad, evil, sinful, you know, it's not God tempting you. Um, if we have that wisdom and ask God for that wisdom, what we heard about a while ago. And uh, we can look at it and say, man, if, if it's something evil I'm being tempted with, I should just run away just because I know God had nothing to do with that. Um there there that's not about my joy, that's not about anything God, that's not a test of God, that's not anything that's just God doesn't do that. And uh, but every man is tempted. Look at this 14, get this in this context. What we talked about, verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And enticed. Then, when lust have conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So, what we have here is it explains that temptation. If it's evil, it's not a God. But where does it start? We saw last week, um, recently, in Genesis 3. Remember when Eve had the conversation with the serpent? serpent and it said he got her mind messed up a little bit kind of got her confused she added to the scripture and had to having this conversation with the serpent and then once she got a little confused again not having that wisdom and and then she looked and then she said oh that looks good now she she got a mess up in her head first and then started looking at it and said oh that looks good Something I shouldn't have looks good, and that's what this is talking about. So when love, so our temptation, God does not tempt us with evil, but notice it did not default to that sometimes we say, oh, the devil tempted me, the devil made me do it. Satan's trying to get me off. Satan's trying to do this or that. No, it went from if it's evil, it's not of God. And then it says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust." And enticed. In other words, we have some control over this thing. Uh, we, we can take a look at, we, we can, if we get that godly wisdom, we can have some control over this stuff in our life. Uh, we can look at temptation a whole different light. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, like Satan tempted me with something and, and, you know, whatever reason just got me and, and, and I sinned as I, that, that's not what's being said here. So first of all it clarifies if it's an evil temptation, God's not doing. In other words, it's not a test. It's not God. But then it said it doesn't blame Satan for this. It said just says, hey, if we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. So where are we looking? Where are we thinking? Where's our desires at? Where's our heart direction? Where's our, where's our thing? If we're going if we're tempted. Um, we better start checking up on our own mind and our own heart and see where that's going. But when lust hath conceived, in other words, if we then when we give in, if we give in to that temptation, lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I said, verse 16, do not err, my beloved brethren. So he's given us as a warning, he's given us as a help. And a warning that says, do not err, my beloved brother. And another clue about this is a saved group of people that 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 are in this, not just that they're Jews, they're saved and a church. So so he's giving us warning. So this is all about a warning and a help to hey, you're already saved. Count it joy that there's temptations. It means you're alive, means you're thinking, you live in a sinful world. Uh, some of those temptations, you might not have a lot of control of where they come from, but, but uh, you're there. But you can think through it, you can get your mind right. So count it joy that you can learn patience and let patience have a work in your life. And if you learn to have patience work in your life, you're probably more likely going to at least notice that you're lacking wisdom and go to God and ask for wisdom. And if you have that wisdom, now I can make the godly decisions to not give in when it says here, when a man is tempted, it's because his own lust has pulled you away. And so, so we need to understand what that difference. So we have a couple things that we have established here in James, and where does it going? Verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of light, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. In other words, that firstfruits has a, there's kind of a principle throughout the Bible of this first fruits. Um, mostly, when you hear it preached or taught, people are trying to get on talk about tithing, and and that's a part of it. But but that's not really you know as we think tithing is not about giving tithing in the Old Testament. What was about land and about them taking care of the Levites. But the idea of first fruits throughout Scripture really doesn't go away. It's the idea of many of their sacrifices in the Old Testament it might have been a sin offering it might have been a thanksgiving offering it might have been a peace offering it might have been something else and they'd go after the first fruits in other words, you have a harvest there were some sacrifices that did have to do with hey they brought food or they brought something different other than that bowl to kill or a lamb or something and so somewhere it had to do with 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 birds that were given as sacrifices and but but the goal was to give their first fruit what they had first from that the the first crop the first part of it the first born of the animal the first so that idea of the first in other words god comes first in my life and uh, that element to our giving back to god is, is a principle all the way through the world. When the children of Israel went into Canaan, they wandered in the wilderness 40 years, finally got to go, they crossed the river. The first city they came to was Jericho. That's why God said, this is mine, don't touch it. That's what made Achan's sin so bad. Now God gave them the spoils of every, every uh, um, other places. They even took spoils when they left Egypt and came out. So, so taking something from the from the land they conquered was not the sin, The sin was Jericho was a first fruit city of God blessing them as they were going into Canaan. And so what this is saying is if we get this stuff right and we understand where God works and understand even in this world, sinful world with temptations, that we can count it joy that we're in temptation because temptation works patience. And if we learn patience, let patience work in our life, we'll now be a better person, we'll be a better Christian, we can see things clear. And, and that might allow us to realize, hey, I, I'm lacking some wisdom in this area. I need to go to God and ask for wisdom. I can make better decisions so that so that uh, I'm not tempted of my own lust. And then as as I go and look, and now I can give in and realize the blessing God has given me. And now that because of my my person and my thinking and my testimony and, and, and how I live and as I go out and I can battle and get through these temptations and not give in, now other people can see that. And we are a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. First of all, firstfruits were more important than all the animals. God created us for us. Second of all, as far as the rest of the world, hey, there should be something different about God's children. Um, there, there should be a different way we live and act and look and 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 in our appearance and 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 conversation and and our testimony. All these things that that we are first to God. We're as children, and there should be something different. So we are the first fruits of God's creatures. Wherefore, so all these things in the place of the bed. So wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now we're seeing some help or some information or some admonition that is opposite of a while ago. It said to learn patience, let patience have the work. So if you get all these things as it's saying, hey, I'm a child of God, I know where I sit with God, I I I can find joy even in temptations because temptations can work patience. I can learn to be patient. If I allow patience to have its perfect work in my life, I become more patient. And, and when I'm patient, I can I can look for wisdom. And when I pray and get God's wisdom, now I say, hey, wait a minute. I, I don't have to be, I can be slow now, I can be slow to wrath. I I I can be slow to be able to control my faith. Later um, in James, we see some things about our tongue and things like that. And, and it starts here with that uh, we're swift to hear, but slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. When we get ourself in the way, we interfere with God's righteous work in our in our life. I'm saved. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. I have the Word of God. I know how I should live, an example, what my life should be. But when we live in this way, we're quick. We, we don't have patience and that wisdom to discern. And and we're we we're we're, we're we're quick, opposite of verse 19. Uh, we want to speak sharply, quick, and we're we're quick to wrath, and we're quick. That's not it's that's not God's righteous. That's not showing the righteousness of God. Um, That's not how God wants to work. So wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So we're to set that aside. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. In other words we hear something from the word of God. Do something with it. Um, don't. Um, so if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Or or a mirror. Um, that, that, hey, we see a mirror, we got dirt all over our face, and we don't, don't bother, don't clean it off, even though we just saw it, and we walk away just like, We never looked in the mirror in the first place. That's that's what it's describing. If We're we're hearing the word of God, but we're not applying it. We're not doing it. we're We're not obeying it. It's just like looking in a mirror and walking away. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Notice it does not say this man shall be saved. Talking to people already saved, it said this is where blessing comes from. This is how you get blessed of God. So it said, look at, notice that term, Paul used that term in uh, in, uh, uh, Galatians chapter 2, I believe, Verse 4, if I remember correctly, we're talking about the liberty. In other words, unaware, Paul was in Galatians we're talking about the, the false teachers coming in, trying to spy out our liberty to change us into this false doctrine of work salvation to get us back into bondage. And uh, so that liberty is talked about. We're liberty. We're, we're not bound by sin. Sin is not controlling us, but we do have to make decisions to live right. So this said, forgetful here, the doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So it gives religion or your practice, just an old English term, not about we think of organized religion or church names. This is talking about our religion. We're serving God faithfully. We're just continuing that the, the the old Root of the definition of religion is just, hey, I'm consistent, I'm faithful, I'm I'm doing it, I'm I, I I'm here serving God. So if any man among you um, seem to be religious, in other words, you got all the other actions down, you got everything else figured out, you look good from, uh, from the outside, but you bridle not your tongue. He says, but notice how it goes together. Um, we may elaborate on this at some point. If I, God leads, I just want to give a, give an introduction of what James is today. But but no, do notice, it said, bridle not his tongue. In other words, control your tongue. It said, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Now talking about salvation, in other words, you can get to the place, if you can't control your tongue, you're deceiving your heart. In other words, I think I'm pretty good. I, I, I know I got saved a long time ago, and I act pretty good, and I got all the motions on. I, got, I, I, I can fool some people, and, and, and I'm deceiving my heart. In other words, if, if you don't control your tongue, he said your religion is vain. Again, we're not talking about salvation. I'm talking about getting blessing from God on a personal level and uh, showing the world our purpose as a church is for the world to see the gospel. And, and, and seeing it, in other words, everything you're doing is in vain as far as getting blessings from God, as far as my prayers answered, as far as God, God giving me extra you know, whatever blessings and help along the way, as far as people seeing me, maybe somebody getting saved or not saved as part of that. In other words, my action is in vain. And then he gives a, a description here, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. In other words, you already have to be saved before you can practice religion, in this context anyway, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, in other words, helping people, but notice it, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. This is part of where we get the concept we call separation in the Bible, this is why we set up goals or fences, if you will, guardrails for our own life. We call standards. Uh, this is why we do it. He said, part of the I don't know, pure religion and undefiled before God. In other words, this is what God wants to see in our life. This is how God wants to look at me. This is how we please God. This is how I can find joy in temptation. This is how I can work on patience. This is how I can recognize I need to ask God for wisdom. Uh, this is how I can work. All these things James is about to lay out as a child of God, It says, um, to keep myself unspotted from the world. Um, and, and notice that word unspotted. It doesn't say, well, you know, just kind of don't go too far. It doesn't say that. It, it just it says keep yourself unspotted from the world. In, in other words, my, my, my purpose, my goal is to, my standard is this book that God gave. My standard is God's holiness, not our opinion. Uh, my, my standard for living is, is not what I think it is. So, someone in a a Christian, I think it was a preacher um, group, someone asking something about the Bible and, and, and different translations. Someone asked a question along the line of, you know, if you don't believe we actually have the pure word of God, if you say you don't believe that, then what gives you the authority to think you're the one that can say it's wrong in the first place? I mean, who made, how do you decide is what, what, it, what he meant is the way, if, if people out there say, well, we don't have a pure copy of, you know, we don't have the pure word of God. Well, then how do you know what you have? Who made you the authority to determine that this one isn't pure in the first place? I, I, I mean, what, you can talk through So my, my goal is to, my standard is God, not our opinion, not scholars, not, not, not Colleges, not other people's opinions or books or whatever. uh, God gave us the instruction in this book and and said, this is the standard. This is how you live. And, And that separation starts with, hey, if it doesn't match this book, it's wrong. So everything the world's doing that doesn't match his book, I need to stay away from, keep myself unspotted from those things. So, so it shouldn't even be resembled. Shouldn't they have that spot in the clothes? You know, you go to work, something spills on you, you got a spot the rest of the day until you're able to clean it off. And it's like God said, hey, we, we need to live. We want to have pure and undefiled. I need to live where there shouldn't even be a spot of the world. There shouldn't even be part of the world on me. Uh, not even a spot. Not, see, a spot on my clothes says it's not soaked in. It's not in me. It's not like a disease got in my blood and, and, and giving me, a, gonna end my life and physically. No, it's just a spot. It, 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 it might come off. It, it might be, it, it's just a, a, a spot. It doesn't change the rest of my life. But, but God said, just keep it, keep himself unspotted from the world. Uh, that, that's, that's our goal. That's why it says even abstain from all appearance of evil. Is, is, is our goal. So James, as we go into the book of James and realize how James can help us, we understand a couple of things. James is written to save people. James is written to a church. James lays out, we can have joy and even temptation because that joy will help build our patience. Um, we need to let patience on purpose, by our own decisions, let patience do its work in our life. That'll lead us to realizing that, hey, maybe there's some areas I need more wisdom. So I go to God and ask for wisdom. And having that wisdom from God, I can now make proper decisions dealing with temptation and not my flesh get the better of me when I have a temptation so that I can live um, unspotted from the world, which is our goal in pleasing God and what God expects from us. With that, let's stand. And we will just close in a word of prayer to challenge us as weak as we want to go live for God. That says, hey, my, my, my goal is to be unspotted from the world. Not just a little better. Not live like the world and still say I'm saved. I mean, we are saved. We're not losing our salvation. But I'm saying, if the world can't tell the difference, how are you going to witness to them? If the world doesn't see a difference in my life, why, are they, why do they care what I got? It, 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 so we, we need to live unspotted from the world. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you uh, for giving us uh, your word and, and giving us a Bible and, and, and books like James that we can dig into and look at how you want us to live so that we can keep our joy no matter what our circumstances uh, so that we can learn how, how to let patience work in our life and how we can um, let uh, and, and, and realize that we need to go to you for wisdom. God, I pray that you help us that we'll live this week unspotted from the world so that we might please you. In Jesus' name, amen.